I want, to, I want to speak this morning on the genius of Genesis. The genius of Genesis. People say to me, I don't know anything about this God. Is there a God? Who made God? Well, and the Bible, as you know, this is the Bible. It's such a big book, and I tried to read it, and it doesn't make sense, and I don't understand it. How, how do I find out, you know, how do you, how, Rob, how do you know what you, when you stand at the front, how do you know what you're saying is really true? Good questions. They're very, very good questions. And they all can be answered. Now, if there was a program on the radio when I was growing up, now the radio is something some of you won't even know. It's a little box thing, you know, that used to sit on the side. <laughs> some of you wouldn't even know what a radio is. And they used to have a program on there called Desert Island Discs. Yeah. Well, yeah, all the oldies now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're going with it, yeah. And, and on there, they, they were allowed to take a book and some records, you know, where they were going to plug the, mic, the um, gramophone into for the electric, I have no idea. But they were... <laughs> Didn't have solar panels back then. But yeah, it probably would be a wind-up one. Yeah, they used to have wind-up gramophones. But if I was cast away and I could choose one book out of the Bible, not the whole Bible, just one book, if that's all I was allowed to take with me, I would take the book of Genesis. Because in Genesis, I can find, I can prove the existence of God. I can prove the goodness of God. I can prove the grace of God. I can prove the existence of God. It's a book that has intrigued me for years and years and years. If I could take two books out of the Bible... I would take Genesis and John's Gospel. Because John's Gospel talks about it, reveals the divinity that Jesus really is, God manifested in the flesh, in human being. But today I want to major on the genius of Genesis. What's really contained in there? When was the last time you actually read the book of Genesis. What we do, you see, is we, when we've read something, we go back to it and we start to read it again and we think, oh, I know that. And, yeah, I'd see, yeah, yeah. And does it make sense? Is there, ask yourself the question while you're reading, is there more to this than just what I'm reading? And the genius of Genesis is there is. It's a book full of hidden manner, hidden truth. So we're going to have a little peep this morning. It's not an exhaustive study by any means. But we're going to have a look and see what's in the book of Genesis and how it impacts you and me. Because there's no point reading the Bible unless it has an impact 
on your life. That's what it's there for. It's not a difficult book to read. Well, actually, the, the Bible itself says, I am a spiritual book. That's why so many people can read the Bible and not understand it. Because it's not understood with logical thinking. It is a revealing book that the Holy Spirit opens up. You can read a page and come away and say, well, I've read that, but I don't understand any of it. Or it's, well, yeah, it's very nice, but it hasn't done anything. That's because the Holy Spirit hasn't taken that passage of Scripture and revealed to you what's underneath the packaging, as I call it, what's hidden away. Whenever I read the Bible now, my first prayer is simply this. Even before I start reading, God, show me. Show me. Teach me. And, and when he does, I feel like a little boy back in Sunday school again. But let's have a look at the genius of Genesis, shall we? Now, in the book of Genesis are hidden all the doctrines of the Bible in one book. All the doctrines of the Bible are hidden in this wonderful book of Genesis. Okay, now we're not going to get through all of them. I'm not going to can't name all of them. I'd be here till probably five o'clock. You wouldn't, but I'd still be here till five o'clock. Okay, now, in Genesis chapter one, it begins with this, okay? And we'll try to pick a little bit of it open. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God here in the first Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God is revealed as a creator God. He's a creator God. He, as well as being the most high being there ever has been. He's the possessor, he owns the heavens, he owns the earth. In the beginning, God. So the beginning starts with God. His existence is stated as a fact to be believed, okay? This fact is the beginning, the, 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 the meaning that he existed before creation. So in the beginning, creation started by God and with God. Okay, and we'll find out a little bit further down maybe who this God is. Okay. In the beginning, God cancels atheism. It proves that atheism isn't right. Atheism says there is no God. But in the beginning, God. Okay, and we'll get a bit deeper as we go along, and you'll be able to fit my hopefully fit my statements into your mind. Okay. It cancels materialism. Why? It sets God above the material world 
that was created. He's above it. He's not subject to it. He's not controlled by whatever happens. In fact, he controls what happens in this world. God says he created, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created, that tells us he was before the beginning. The beginning is the creation of this world and everything in it. But God was before that. Okay? Right. It proves that he's going to be a personal God. For an impersonal God could not create. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He, he's infinite. People say to me, well, where did God come from? Who created God? God was not created. You cannot be God if you yourself were created. There would be a higher deity, a higher system above God. If something created God, that, he wouldn't be God. Would he? No. It's logical, isn't it? Make, does it make sense, Tracy? Okay, I don't, I don't like you this morning. You're nodding in the right places. <laughs> No, obviously, no finite being could create. He's infinite, not created. He has always been and will always be. Now, go careful when you read this. It doesn't say here in the beginning God made the heavens and the earth. Because when you make something, I mean, we're pretty clever today. We can make a lot of things. What we can't do is create. There's a difference between creation or creating and making. When you make something, you take something that's out there already and you bring it together. Now, God didn't do that. He didn't do that. There was nothing. And he states that. The earth was without form and void. It was empty. There was nothing. My creator God takes nothing and speaks into existence what he wants to happen. Now, only God has the power to do that. I can make many things, but I cannot create. I cannot start with nothing and make something. I could say to my lovely wife today, right now, make me a roast dinner. Now. She can't do it. 
She doesn't have the ingredients. <laughs> Not now you couldn't. No. Wendy can't start with and make a roast dinner right now because she doesn't have the ingredients. God says, I can start right now with nothing and bring everything I desire into existence. That makes him... God, that's not evolution. Evolution's flaw is simply this. And I'm not a great studier of evolution because I just don't believe it. Evolution has to start with something. And one of their favorite things is a big bang. But where did the big bang come from? Where did the ingredient for the big bang come from? They can't answer me. My God always starts with nothing. Now, you may say to me, oh, that's very great. Well, what does that mean for me today? Why are you still creating? You see, I haven't seen him do much lately, Rob. Oh, yeah. He did it in here a few weeks ago. He created two new beings. They accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And he made a spiritual creation. He said, I create, those who believe in me become a brand new creation. He doesn't patch them up. He didn't patch them up because they already existed. He took them as they were, messed up as he took all of us. All of us were in a mess. And he says, I will make something, as we've heard this morning, something beautiful out of nothing. Well, you say, what was me? No, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead spiritually. And what he did is he took you dead and he made you alive in Jesus. Forgiven, a brand new creation. The problem is I still got my old memory. Yes, but that will be dealt with when I go to be with him. But in the meantime, he says, I'm going to give you a new way to think. You're going to have the mind of Christ. So he covers all the bases. He takes something that was nothing, me, dead. And he says, I'm going to create a new creation out of Rob. So beautiful that I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell with him. Right. In Genesis, immediately, we see the Trinity. We see the Trinity. Now, this is very interesting because it cuts across some of the other groups out there in the world that don't believe in the Trinity. But we'll have a little look. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There's the Holy Spirit. Where's the Father and where's the Son? 
that's contained in the word God. Elohim. The name, Hebrew name for God there is Elohim, which means more than one being. So we've got God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy, God the Holy Spirit all active in the creation of the world and the heavens. We'll dig a little bit deeper in a minute on that one. In Genesis, uh, where are we? Verse 26, it says this, And then Elohim, God said, Elohim, more than one being, said, Let us make man in our image. Here we have the Trinity in operation in the creation, not just of the world, but of mankind. The three become one. Now, I, I liken it. Um, now we'll get there in a minute. We'll go down that road in a minute. So, here we go. Jump across to verse 16. We'll come back to creation in a minute. I think, I think we will, will we? Now I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it now. Who created the world? People say, God. Yeah, they're right. But which element, which person of the Trinity was involved in the creation of the world and the heavens. They were all involved in it, the three. But, and here is a very interesting fact when you're dealing with people who don't believe in the Trinity. In the book of Colossians, in the New Testament, it says, tells us that Jesus created the world. The world was for him. He was before all things. Jesus himself was not created. He was in the beginning, before the beginning, with the Father and the Holy Spirit. The book of Colossians tells us that Jesus created so where does that leave the Father? Well, the Father, in, in, as we read the Old Testament, was doing exactly the same thing as he did in the Old Testament. Jesus said this, I never do anything unless the Father tells me. I never go anywhere unless the Father directs me. I cannot... Well, that's debatable. It's an interesting theology. I will not, is a better way of putting it, I will not operate separately from the Father and the Holy Spirit. The ploy of the enemy was always to get Jesus to step outside of that remit. To get him to do something that the Father never told him to do and the Holy Spirit would not anoint. So in creation, in Genesis here, we find that Jesus is in operation. The Father says to Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, 
I want you to do this. On the first day, I want you to do this bit. And Jesus did it. The Holy Spirit empowered it, and it came into existence. Second day, the Father says, and God said, is what it repeats, do this, and Jesus obeyed, and the Holy Spirit empowered it. Here we see the Trinity working together. Working together. You, you, you will never split them up. Each in his own role is glorious. Jesus is not more glorious than the Father. The Father is not more glorious than Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not more glorious than the Father or the Son. They're co-equal because they make up what we call the Godhead. The three are one. Now, in Genesis, Dan touched a little bit on it last week. I always thought, don't go any further, Dan, you'll spoil it for me. Verse 16, then God made two great lights. The greater light to rule one day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. That was a throwaway line. I make make the greater light and the lesser. What's the greater light? The sun, S-U-N. And the lesser light is the moon. And then he says, oh, and by the way, I make the stars. I like that. I like that. What's that a picture of? Well, there's two pictures there. The moon in itself, as Dan rightly said last week, has no power. It is powerless. There is no dynamic force. I know it works gravity and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. In itself, it has no power. It is simply a reflective (coughs) mass that we call the moon. So where does the moon, or how does it, the sun reflects onto the moon and the moon reflects that sunlight, that light back down to earth. Yeah? Yeah. That makes sense? Keep smiling at me. I know you're okay. What's that a picture of? It's a picture of Jesus and his church. Jesus is the light that, that shines into the church and the church in, when I say church I mean born again believers not religious church not, not buildings I'm not talking about buildings I'm talking about born again Christians when he shines that light into your heart you are a reflector that reflects that light back out into a dark world and it illuminates the world You can walk into a situation, there can be all the electric lights on in the world, but the minute you walk into that room, you bring the reflective light of Jesus into that room and that circumstance. But the problem is, the Bible says, that men and women love darkness more than light. And what happens when that reflective light comes into a room, into a house, in your presence, 
under the power of the Holy Spirit, the Trinity working there again, you're going to get a reaction. Some are going to go, wow, what is it you got? Others are going to go, get out. I don't want to hear any of that rubbish. I don't want that reflective light lighting up my dark heart. Leave me alone. Just leave me alone. They will not tolerate the light coming in. But I want to tell you something. Because I've been there. And that was my stance for many years. Get away from me. I don't want to know about it. But the Bible says, and I didn't know it at the time, but I proved the Bible to be correct. The Bible says in 1 John that God is greater than my heart. So even when I was rejecting him, I could not stop that light creeping in. And in the end, I had to submit to Jesus Christ, who's the light of the world. So we find the church in Genesis. Wow. In Genesis, we find that man and woman, mankind we'll call it, Revealed as the first creature of his creation. The first one that he was going to have a relationship with him. The animals were all around and what have you. But God wasn't interested in having a relationship with an animal. I'm going to probably offend a few people now who love their dog and love their cat. That's not my intention. I'm not sure if God loves them. I I don't know. All I know is he he doesn't want a relationship with them. I'm on dangerous ground now. (laughs) Will cats and dogs go to heaven? Don't ask me that one. (laughs) He creates man. And out of out of man, out of the dust on the floor. Okay, you made of dirt. All right, you, you, you can splash on your aftershave, you can splash on your deodorant, you can put your mascara on, and that's just the men. You can paint yourself up, ladies. You can Botox to the end of the world. You know, I've heard that, so they're going to have a Botox station. Will you drive in, get a belt of Botox and drive out the other side? (laughs) But But actually, God said, and there's nothing wrong with looking nice. I mean, I'm your example. (laughs) Don't laugh too long. We were made, formed from the dust of the ground. And God made the shape that we would identify. He, He made the shape of a man on the floor, made out of dust. Like when you go to the beach, you know, 
well, you don't do it anymore. Now it's cool. And you've got to have your sunglasses on top of your head, haven't you? You know, and that's the girls, you know. You've got to look cool on the beach when actually you want your bucket and spade, but you're too old to have it anymore. And that's just the mums. He got, 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 got out a bucket and spade and he made a shape of a man on the floor. And then he walked away. No, he didn't. Because there was no power, no life in that model, that shape on the floor. And it says there that the Holy Spirit came and breathed into the nostrils. He didn't breathe into the mouth. He didn't do CRP through them, or is it CR? I don't know. Yeah. Is that, is that right? CPR. He didn't breathe. Into the mouth. He was not resuscitating because there was no life there before. He breathed into the nostrils and the Holy Spirit brought life and that shape came alive. You did not come from a monkey. Some of you could qualify. <laughs> Evolution is not the truth. We are made in the image of God. Precious in his sight. Greater than the creation of the rest of the world. And he made us, the word says, a little lower than the angels. Which... It's an interesting factor when we come to the New Testament because there's a slight change there. Oh, I got it, got my note down. Oh, I was going to say now, who, so who created us? Jesus did. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 18 proves, if you want a reference, that Jesus created the world with the Father under the anointing power of the Holy Spirit working equally together now the problem is wouldn't you think well God creates Adam and he says he looks at Adam and he goes he's fine Spot on, my man. Spot on. And he has a second thought. And he thinks, I better give him a companion. Where can I, what am I going to do? He says, Adam, lie down. And he puts him to sleep. And he performs an operation on him. 
He nicks a rib. You ladies owe us a lot. <laughs> now listen to me. Men have one rib less than a lady. Where do you think that came from? Oh, you just that's just that don't mean anything. Yes, it does. When you add up what the world calls incidentals, and you start to put it together, you start to see a creator, God. And out of the rib of Adam, you ladies pinch one of our... No wonder we're always ribbing you. You nicked one of our ribs. Now, let me ask you something. Logical. You see, we, we, yeah, that's a fact. We accept it as a fact. But hang on a minute. Allow your mind to go... Don't, don't read the Bible and move on too quick. He took a rib. But where did he get the rest? Have you ever thought that? Where did he get the rest of the body from? Well, when you're creator God, it's not a problem. And it says God made woman. He created woman. And he breathed into her and she came alive. And man, Adam went when he saw her. Whoa, man. Whoa, man. And he's been saying, we've been saying the same ever since. Whoa, man. Whoa. Think about your roast dinner. You see, in Genesis, and we're just touching the early part of the book of Genesis, we're finding that we are in business with a creator, God, who hasn't changed. Instead of creating the physical now, he's creating the spiritual in us. I said it just now. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a brand new creation. Amen. Old things are passed away, it says. Behold, everything has become new. It's a new day, a new beginning. The world can't offer you a new beginning. What it says to you, if you can get enough money, if you can get the more decent job, if you can drive the, the, the best car, if you can live in the best house, you'll have a happy life. I've got news for you, it doesn't work like that. I've tried it. There's only one way in this world. The world is, and the Beatles said it, the world in the world needs is love. Except they thought it was human love. No, it doesn't. You cannot get love right in this world unless you meet the king of love. When you meet the king of love, you will get, start to get the natural love right. You've got to keep coming back to creator God. Now, 
We know what happened to Adam and Eve. Well, it was Eve first. But Adam was dopey enough to listen to her. Yes, shut it off. For the benefit of the camera and the um, internet, um, silly person. Oh, I forgot that was on. <laughs> Hallelujah. There is an enemy of our soul. He was created. He was in heaven with the Trinity before the earth was formed. He was the top angel in heaven. In fact, he led the worship of God to God in heaven. He was what we would call Mr. Music. He led the angelic music in worship to the Godhead ever before anything was created. But somehow, into his being, he realized he wanted to be God. And he led a rebellion in heaven, and the the scriptures tell us uh, a third, I think it's a third, don't think it's two-thirds, is it? A third. third of the angels in heaven followed him in rebelling against God. So when you rebel against God, even now, a judgment has to come in. And God judged them and threw them out of heaven. Now, there was only one place they could go, and that's down to earth. And so we have the arrival of Satan, who before was Mr. Beautiful. He he was a beautiful angel, created angel, who sang and his whole being, the, the word describes, out of his being came music. Now, have you ever wondered why music is so powerful in the world today? You can switch your radio on for the older ones. You can switch on your whatever it is you switch on your iPad or whatever it is. And and if if music's playing, if it's the right kind of music for you, you can go all dopey all at once, can't you? Oh, you know, oh, I love that song. Oh, it just makes me feel cool. <laughs> oh. I mean, I, 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 I like music. I've got a strange taste in music. I like 60s music. And, you know, some of the songs back then, immediately they play, I, I'm there remembering what I did, and then I have to think, hang on a minute, whoa, 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 I'm not going down that road again. There is power in music. So even now, the enemy of your soul knows how to use music to influence you. He can make you feel, how many of you listen to the carpenter's music? You listen to the carpenter's music long enough and you'll end up depressed. And it's what led to her death. Music has power to try to control because it's come from a fallen being. No, we're not against music. We've got music here. 
music redirected towards God is powerful as well and uplifting. I better move on. Okay. So, in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, we find the sovereign election doctrine first exhibited. Many people don't like this lecture, this doctrine, and I'm not going to go into the doctrine, but I will comment this. They don't like the idea of God selecting, but it's in Genesis. God selected Abraham. Abraham was an idol worshipper. He wasn't a worshipper of Elohim. He was an idol worshipper. And yet God saw in him something greater. So God selects Abraham. God goes further down the line, out of the book of, uh, of you know, we come out of the book of Genesis, da-da-da. God selected Israel. Now, we don't like very often, some people don't like this idea of God selecting, but it's his choice. His prerogative. He knows what he's doing. Now, some of the teachings have gone too far in it, but that's another story. So he singles out Abraham. In Genesis, we've got the display the plan of salvation in chapter 3. In chapter 3, verse 21, let me read this to you. Chapter 3, verse 21. And for Adam and his wife, Adam and Eve sinned. God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And because they took of something that God said you must not take of, sin entered into them. And yet, what would you have done if you were God at that moment? You've created these two beings. They've disobeyed you. I think what I would have done is got rid of them and started again. No. Here we see the plan of God's salvation because God forgives them, but in forgiving them, an an innocent animal had to die and shed its blood for Adam and Eve. And God saw the sacrifice and said, now they're forgiven. And I will clothe them with, because Adam and Eve were naked and they hid from God. And it's what we tend to do when we sin. We don't want to draw near to God because God starts to point some things out by the Holy Spirit in our heart. And we just don't want to go there and face God. Even now, do we? Until there comes a point when the goodness of God starts to reach into us and he's drawing us all the time. Our minds would push away. They failed. They've fallen short. We reject. But God says, I'm stepping in now. It's called grace. It's called grace. 
and he kills an animal and clothes them with the skin. When you accepted Jesus Christ, your past was wiped out. The blood of Jesus cleansed you from all unrighteousness and he clothes you again with a robe of righteousness. God does it all. Adam and Eve could do nothing to please God. What they did in sinning was displeasing. We're no different. It's all in Genesis. And I'll move on a bit quicker. Justification, the doctrine of this is a long word. Break it down like this. Justification. Just as if I never sinned. That's what it means. That's what it means. Justification. It says, Abraham believed God. And God says, because you believed me, I'm going to count it to you for righteousness. And God says... He saved. He got saved. Again, it's God, the creator God, creating something out of nothing that mankind never expected and couldn't reach the standard. He had no righteousness of his own. Now, another one that people don't like, but it's in the book of Genesis. The believer's security is revealed. Oh, and we could go down, we could spend days on this. They spent centuries arguing over this one. But actually, it's in Genesis. Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. God told, people don't believe it, it's a Sunday school story for little children. No, it's not. It's an amazing truth. Yes. An amazing truth. Yes. God said to Noah and his family, build a boat, build an ark. Why? He said, it's going to rain. And Noah says to God, what's rain? There'd been no rain on the earth up until that moment of time. There was no, wouldn't that be lovely? Mm-hmm. No rain? Mm-hmm. And yet God watered the earth through the mist the, the, the early morning mist he kept plants alive through the, that formula so God says to Noah build an ark and when you've built it get inside it and take the animals and put them inside this, this ark is a hundred years build you think a church service is long for an hour this is a hundred years building a square box or an oblong box not square it's oblong because it's going to rain and every day all the neighbours were laughing at him and he said I believe what God said wow we don't believe you're God so God said when you're finished get your family inside Now, the interesting part of this story is this. Well, it's all interesting, but one of the very significant things is this. When they went into the ark, Noah and his family, who shut the door? Not Noah. Not Noah. The Bible says God shut them in. He closed the door to the ark so that nobody else was going to get saved. That was the end of God's grace 
and then the flood, the rain came and the earth was flooded and anyone outside of the ark drowned. Such was the judgment of God on sin. Now this is kind of teaching people don't like today. God will judge this earth in a time to come. And anybody found outside of the ark, Jesus Christ will be judged by God and the judgment will be exclusion into a place called hell. Again, not a popular teaching anymore, but it's real. Do you realize Jesus spent a third of his ministry warning about hell? So in Genesis, we find the security of the believer. Those that accept him are safe in Jesus Christ because Christ is in them as well as them being in Christ by grace. In Genesis, we're shown the importance of prayer. Abraham prayed and some lives were saved. Family lives. Jacob prays, prayed, and was his prayer was answered. We see the purpose of prayer in Genesis. In Genesis, we see the rapture. What? The rapture? I thought that was in the book of Revelation. No, it's in Genesis. It's on God's plan, the rapture. Enoch. Enoch, the man who walked with God, and it says he was not. He disappeared. He didn't die. He went up to be with God. What about Elijah? Elijah didn't see death. Elijah was raptured from this world, and they will, both of them will return, I believe, in the end times. They're going to be the two prophets. But that's another story. So we see the rapture there. In Genesis, we see the incarnation. Jesus, the one who was begotten, he was the son of man, yet he had no human father. We see the promise there of the incarnation. is coming the one, and Satan will bruise, bruise uh, uh, your heel, and, uh, but you will bruise his head. You will take him out, Jesus. That's what was prophesied, and I think it's in the third chapter of Genesis. In Genesis, we see the, 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 the death and resurrection of the Savior in the ark again. We see them going in the ark. We see death coming over the whole face of the world. And when the waters subdued, they came out of the ark in resurrection life. In Genesis, we see the priesthood of Jesus, Melchizedek. He was after. He wasn't after the uh, Aaronic, Aaronic system. Didn't come like the normal priest did. He came out of Melchizedek, a different priest. In Genesis, the Antichrist is anticipated as the seed of the serpent. Genesis 3:15. We see it in Nimrod in Genesis. The pattern there. In Genesis, the land of Palestine is given to Abraham. We see the future land of Israel promised by God, given to Abraham. And it's what they hang on to today. They say, this is our right to live here because our father Abraham received this land from God. 
In Genesis, we see the future of Israel being made known. In Genesis, the judgment of God on sinners. Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, you can add all this up. And you need to add all this up and come to a conclusion that there is a God that is greater and alive today, controlling and working out his purposes on the earth today. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus is saying to you today, personally, will you follow me? Will you become one of my disciples? I am still the creator God. I want to create in you. I want to take out what has become horrible in you. And I want to replace it with a brand new life. But I want to come and live within you. Actually live within you by the Holy Spirit. But I can't do that until you invite me in. I will not violate your will. But I will draw you. I will keep speaking to you. I will keep showing my, revealing myself to you. To win you. Because I want to beautify you. I want to replace the bitter years that the locust, the Bible says, is eaten to give you a future and a hope. And there's coming a day when I will come back for you. But I'm only coming back for those that have accepted me as their Lord and Savior. There will be a judgment on the rest of mankind. Scripture says, this is the day of salvation. Well, I'll put it off. I went to the funeral of a friend of mine who said that very thing to me years ago. Guy my age, I was quite young then, and I was sharing with him Jesus in the street over at um, North Prospect where he lived. And he said to me, yeah, I I get what you're saying, Rob, but I'm going to put it off. He never made it. That's sad. He never made it. He never made that decision. Because shortly afterwards, at the age in his early 30s, he died of a heart attack, which he never even knew he suffered with. I went to his funeral. I was gutted. Not just because he died, but because he'd missed the opportunity. He thought he could control his life. This is the moment today, right now. You're not promised tomorrow. I'm not being negative. I'm not going, you know, I'm... No, no, no. I'm being a realist now. You have to accept Jesus when the offer is open. I want to say there's some people in this room today that need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You really do. You really do. 
And I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. And I want to tell you, you'll know if it's you because your heart will be beating 28 times more than what it normally does. You may have sweaty palms. I did. But I'm going to say to you, just wave at me. If that's you this morning, just wave at me. And we'll pray for you. We're not embarrassed you. We'll pray with you. What are you going to do about Jesus? Well, put it off to next Sunday. No, stupid. Don't do it. What are you going to do about Jesus? You're going to accept him or reject him? By not doing something today, you're actually rejecting him. People on the screen, people where this message is going out to, what are you doing about this Jesus? Accepting or rejecting? There's no middle ground. Jesus said you're either for me or actually you're against me. Will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, right now? Big decision. He wants to be that creator God in your life that can create something out of nothing for you, particularly for you. Where are you at this morning?